Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody. Are you all still eating leftovers from Thanksgiving? I know it was just a couple of days ago, and I had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope the rest of you did as well. I'm so excited about my guest today. My guest today is Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I want to welcome you to the show, Roberta. Thank you, Marcia. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And and I must tell you, everybody, Roberta has quite the the list of accomplishments. Uh, she is the relationship help doctor. Okay, so you know that that means right away we can talk about relationships. She's authored 16 books. She She's a podcaster on a couple of shows, and she also has a show on Binge TV Network. So when I tell you that I'm a little bit in awe of, of Roberta's accomplishments, it's, it's the truth because I believe I'm really working with the master. And um, I'm just thrilled to have you join me today, Roberta. It really, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I thought we could start off um, like the social media and being in Facebook and Twitter and all LinkedIn and all the Instagram and all the places that we, we all seem to be, those of us in this world. I thought it would be a great way to start if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, I'm a transplanted Canadian living in San Diego. So I have been working in both countries for a very long time, and now I work with clients all over the world. And my background started because I wanted to be a medical doctor, and I decided to shift that and got a doctorate in psychology instead. So for a very long time now, I've been helping people in conflict. And what I say about being the relationship health doctor is that I provide urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis. And that's what I do for my clients. That's what I write about in my books and my articles. That's what I do in my two podcasts and my binge TV network. So I'm always about helping people solve conflicts, whether that's within themselves or within a family or within a partnership of any kind. So those are some of the things that have motivated me. And I particularly am interested in help people who are in relationships with the relentlessly difficult people I call hijackals. And these are the people who are a bit crazy making and you need to learn how to save your sanity. I, that's just, that is so awesome. And truly, this time of year particularly, but we all are in relationships where it's at work it's in our families, it's in our communities. In fact, I think relationships is one of the key words in my lifestyle. I, I relish relationships and I look forward to relationships. And that's, as you said, they're, they're not, not always all perfect. I mean, people are not perfect. But sometimes we, with some help with experts like yourself, we can improve in some of those areas. And I thought that in the first part of this, you, we could spend um, a couple of days talking about the things that you are an expert in, but we only have an hour. So I'm going to focus just on a couple of areas on today's show. And that first one has something to do with what you just said, which is how we can learn to improve our home life, our workplace, and our community relationships. And one of the things that I think is interesting is I'd like to talk about healthy healthy relationships and why you believe it requires assertiveness. What do, what do you mean by that? Oh, well, that's a great question, Marcia, because many people are afraid of the word assertiveness because they they connect it with aggression. And those two things are so different. To be assertive in my books 
and I mean that in the ones I've written, but also in my context (laughs) to this, is that assertiveness means that you know that you deserve to take up space and draw breath. And therefore, as I write about in my book, Kaizen for Couples, you then know that you have the absolute right at any time to say what you think, feel, need, and want, as long as you do not refer to any other human but yourself. And that's a big distinction, because assertive is not digging your heels in. Assertive is just saying, here's where I stand, and giving people information about you. That's interesting. Do you think that people oftentimes themselves don't really even know where they stand is that does that come does that part play a part in this well it does for sure because many many people have not progressed as they could and hopefully will to go from that place of being in a in a family where you are trying to fit in and get the approval of parents who will feed you and allow you to survive to come individuated to the point where you know who you are regardless of what other people think and that you absolutely believe that you have the right and the responsibility to express your uniqueness. And that's a big shift for many people because they're still in the place of endeavoring to please others. And so we want, of course, to be pleasant and interactive and respectful, and we want to be that way with ourselves, which means that I need to know myself really well. And as I said earlier, it's very important to start with the relationship you have with yourself. This is the basis of all relationships. I think that's true, and you know, it's it's interesting, you I'm thinking as I'm reflecting as you're speaking and I'm thinking about terms that we may have heard growing up. One being, Oh, well, she's just a people pleaser. She'll just say, or he'll just say whatever somebody wants to hear, but it may not be authentic. And I think that one of the things that I've already picked up is really vitally important is understanding what you've just said, which is the difference between being aggressive, which is is seen to be, in the workplace certainly, um, a negative, oh, she's so aggressive, you want to stay away from her or him, to assertive, which is, is, this doesn't mean that you're negative. Assertive means that, like you just said, you, you know how you feel about something, and you'd like to share that with others. But you can do that in a complimentary way, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. You know, I believe that all communication is best served up with simultaneous kindness and honesty. So that everything that you say is both kind and honest at the same time. So I can certainly say, well, from where I sit, what's important to me is this, this, and this. I'm not saying anything about anybody else or how anybody should be or how things must happen. I'm just simply sharing where I sit and my view so that it's a contribution to the conversation. That makes, that makes sense. I, I'm, I, it's been a very reflective um, past few days for me being with my son and daughter-in-law and I heard myself doing a lot of parental quoting that I hadn't really they hadn't even really bubbled up, but they, they, they seemed to do that over the weekend. My, my parents have passed many, many years ago. My, same with my in-laws. Honestly, same with my husband. So I've, I've lost those family members. But as you were just speaking, one of those bubbles just came up. And I heard my mother and my father both saying to me, it's not what you say, but how you say it. And that was a message that I grew up hearing because I think words really matter. And I think that when someone is being um, assertive, why do you think so many people find that as being challenging as opposed to being positive? Well, I think they find it challenging because they haven't given themselves permission to be assertive. So when someone else is assertive, 
it almost sounds aggressive to a person who hasn't given themselves permission to be assertive. They think, well, how dare you, you, you know, how dare you put that out there? And the actual fact is the person is giving you a gift. They're saying, I'm going to allow you to see into me. I'm going to tell you something about me. And this gives us an opportunity to grow in the relationship. But if I haven't accorded that right to myself, given myself permission to be assertive and to know myself, aggression. And that's where things get really muddy, Marcia. Mm-hmm. I I can I, I I understand that I I find that just in you know just to digress ever so slightly but I've had a very very challenging five weeks and as somebody that's in this business like like you are where you have a website and I have a website for whatever reason unbeknownst to me um, my website was taken down and you couldn't get to it unless you went. Um, through something other than Google Chrome, which is what I happened to use. And I didn't have a lot of background in technology. I can talk. I can, I can host. I can show my interest because it's authentic and it's real. But when you take me into a realm of another medium, another level of technology where their glossary of words are not my glossary of words. I had a very challenging five weeks not being able to operate my business the way I needed to. And I found myself calling and being persistent, which is probably another word of being assertive. Would you, would you, would you agree that persistence is somewhat um, the same as being assertive, or is that, or is that slightly different? Well, it has connotations, so it's slightly different. <laughs> I well, mean, I pers- guess what I was... is something we want to be. We definitely need to be. We need to know how to do it. But, you know, there's there's a fine line between persistence and stubbornness. You know, all of these mm-hmm. things have to be carefully defined. But when you have an issue such as you're talking about, absolutely mm-hmm. you need to be assertive. You're not being demanding. You're simply right. saying, this is what I need. Exactly. This is what I want. Yes. And, you know, it's really interesting. I've been in the customer service world for a very long time. I've been in the advocacy world for a very long time. And I understand we are all consumers. If If somebody is speaking to me in a way that makes me feel defensive or put out, I may not be listening the same way as if somebody is just stating the facts, being assertive. I was always polite, but I also said, here's what I need. I need to be Mm -hmm. able to do my business. And currently, for whatever reasons that I don't have the expertise about, I'm not able to do that. And rather than just give up and say, oh, somebody will figure it out, I was assertive about this. And Trust me, when that came up last Tuesday, it, it'll be a week this coming, this, this coming tomorrow, the relief of being assertive, of, of stating my needs, of saying, look, I don't need to know about this. This is not an area of my expertise. I don't need to know about everything, but I do need to have my website back. So when you talked about being assertive and challenging, um, I couldn't help but frankly um, kind of relate to that on a personal level. But um, when we talk about the basis for being comfortable and being comfortably assertive, what, do, what, would you, what would you have said to me if I said, oh, my God, I am losing my mind? What, how would you have <laughs> talked to me about that? Well, I would have asked you to make a list of what do you need, what do you want, what are you thinking, and what are you feeling? You know, in, in my book, Kaizen for Couples, and, you know, even though it talks about couples, Marcia, it's a book for every relationship. I just put everything in there that has to do with having a healthy relationship with anyone. But we want always to be able to know that being assertive means that I can identify and that you could identify in this situation what you think, feel, need, or want. When you're clear, you could be clear. 
so it always requires a little preparation when you want to be assertive until you're very comfortable with it and it comes naturally because you mm-hmm. need that clarity. You need to stop and say, what do I think? What do I feel? What do I want? What do I need? And then you can have a clear message. And when you have a clear message, in this case, it's positive and it's assertive. You're not saying what's wrong. You're saying, here's what I want. Here's what I need. You know, it doesn't matter what's gone before. Right now in this minute, Mm -hmm. here's where I needed to go. You know, you make that honestly sound very digestible and and fairly easy. And if people are listening now, um, and and I want to spell the name of your book because it's spelled K-A-I-Z-E-N for couples. Smart Steps for Saving, Sustaining, and Strengthening Your Relationship. I think that you, you, you gave me four, four to-dos. I, I'm a list person. Not everybody is. I tend to write things down. That just it, it helps me to get it out of my head and onto the paper. And I think the, the four words you use is, what do you think? What do you feel? What do you need? And what do you want? Did I get all four of those? You did. Okay, perfect. And I'm a note taker. And I could really see, you know, with the holidays coming, you know, and maybe this family member isn't speaking to that family member. I can't believe how many people I know that have that level of dysfunction within their own families where they're maybe not speaking to a sibling or whomever. I'm just... Maybe because I've lost a husband, um, um, I maybe that gives me more of a feeling of how important family is. I mean, I could just, you know, well up just saying that. So being with mm-hmm. my son and daughter-in-law this weekend, it was meaningful. And I found myself saying on this one day, do you know how happy I am? And I would just, mm. I, it was filled with emotion. And I think about, you know, I, I, I didn't spend Thanksgiving with my with my married brother and family and my other daughter and son-in-law. I didn't. I will see them all during, you know, the Christmas holidays. But I think it's really valuable for all of us if we don't know how we're feeling and if we don't know what we need and if we don't even know what we want. Frankly, how do we expect others? Don't expect people to be mind readers. I mean, truly, if you're able without, I don't know, to speak harshly and to to not be finger-pointing like, well, I'd get what I want if you didn't, you know, I, I would be able to do this if it wasn't for you. This is what I need. I don't think, I don't hear that you'd be suggesting that that's the strategy that that you're speaking about in regards to anything in life. Is that is that correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there... You don't get anywhere with outright or veiled blame. You know, when there, there used to be an, a technique that people taught in communication classes, and it was called the I message. And it was a long time ago, 30 years ago. And when I, when I was told to teach it, I said, I can't, I won't. And people said, well, why not? It's new, it's trendy, it's, you know, the done thing. And I said, because in an I message, the, the way that it's constructed, the formula was, when you do this or that, I feel this way. Well, that's just straight out veiled blame, if not straight mm-hmm. out blame. And mm-hmm. that's inappropriate because the other person immediately gets their back up. They immediately become defensive unless they're very, very healthy. And they're kind of thinking, well, you know, should I care about this? You know, why Why do you think that what you believe matters and why do you think it's my fault? You don't want those things to go that way. It's inappropriate. So that's why in Kaizen for Couples, I share the formula that I created to counteract that. And that's called the personal weather. We're talking about it in a sense. It's without speaking about another human. So none of that when you do this or when you say that business, you are just assertive enough to know yourself well enough to say, I think, feel, need, and want. And then you're letting someone in to your world, and then you watch what they do with it. 
And that's how you begin to learn how to do a relationship with the person to whom you're speaking. You know, it's really interesting. That, that, that I message and the should and the could back in the days, 30-some-odd years ago, you know, for anyone that's ever been in any kind of therapy of any sort, you know, that clearly was the methodology then and those coulds and that shoulds. And, and if you speak from the position that you just said where you're not casting any blame, you're, you're really just allowing the person if they're truly interested in knowing, you're letting them know how you're feeling. And you know what? It doesn't have to be because of something that went wrong. It could really be, it could really be about something that went right. I feel so valued when you look at me when I speak, right? That is that it would, is, let me, well, let me ask you, does, is that a right or a wrong way to say something? Well, it, you know, that's very close. You know, I still use any pro te- pronouns except I. <laughs> so I feel oh, so you when people look at me when they speak, right? You generalize it. Now, if you're in a very close romantic relationship or a mother-child relationship or whatever, you might say, oh, honey, you know, when, when you look at me, when you speak to me, I feel like you really see me. And that'll be just fine, right? Because you're in the positive. But mm-hmm. if you if you were in the negative, it wouldn't be quite as easy to hear. So when you're couching things in that you would like to see an improvement on, always avoid any protein pronoun besides I. <laughs> I see. So let's let's revisit that again so that I'm walking away with that message. I said I feel so valued valued when you take the you out and say, mm-hmm. I feel so valued when, how or, so you know, I, I, love it, I love it when people look at me when they speak to me because I feel so valued. I feel like they really see me. There you go. That's, that's, that's very helpful because then the person that's listening isn't already starting to defend themselves. Now, exactly. maybe the person could have, or maybe the person could say, honey, I feel the same way. When you look at me, I also feel that value. So I suppose, Yay. you know, pardon me? I said, yay. Are you there? Yeah. I am. Yeah, I, I oh, good. <laughs> and so am I. Well, I think that, that I think that that's really, I, I've, I've, and I've noted that. And I, I think when, um, when we say uh, it's so important on knowing how to respond, when so, why is it important if when we know what to say that somebody else might use that same strategy? Why is it important to know how to respond to somebody when they use that strategy with us? How would we respond? Well, great question because I have a chapter on how to give a personal weather report and how to respond to one in the Kajan for Couples book. And what's important in the response is that you respond with curiosity. Someone just gave you some information. So you could say, oh, tell me more about that. How did you learn that? When did you learn that? How long has that been going on for you? What do you think might help? And so you engage with the other person and, and you shift your interest to the other person because they are the speaker at the moment. And so when you want to build emotional intimacy, you become more curious about the speaker and you demonstrate that by the interest that you show. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to go back to that other word, and that is you have to be authentic. Um, for me, if if I sense that you're just saying something to me because that's what you think I want to hear, but it really isn't truly demonstrating how you're feeling, then that's that's hurtful. So I, I think that truly being authentic, if I'm, listen, Roberta, I'm a curious person by nature. I will truly start a conversation with just about anyone, just about anywhere. And it could, it could be a, a variety of ways that this all happens. But there's never any doubt in my mind that I'm not doing this so that I can get something from it. 
Do you know what I mean? It's like, what can you do for me? That That isn't my motivation for my curiosity. It's not what can you do for me. I think that we're living in a time right now, and, and I, I absolutely um, I stay away from anything that is exclusive because I believe there's a little too much of that right now, and I believe that being inclusive um, serves all of us so much better. You and I are both very active on social media. There are people that that's the last place they would ever want to go because they're private and they really are not particularly interested in what you and I are doing, nor do they really care to have you know what they're doing. And I respect that. That That's fine. There's a reason for people to be private just the same way there's reason for people to be public. But I think if people do not speak, whether they're in their relationship with their family or or their community, I'm very active in my community, or their their workplace. If 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 you're not being real, it's eventually going to show because it's just it's not pretty. It's it's not a nice way to be, in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe you would. I would assume that you would probably agree with that. Well, who wants to go around putting up a front? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's too it's too exhausting. It takes energy. Who wants to always be trying to please other people? That's not why you're on the planet, in my opinion. You're Mm -hmm. not here to live up to the expectations of others. When my partner and I wrote Soul Solitude, taking time for our souls to catch up, you know, we we wrote about two major predicaments in our society that we see. One of them is our addiction to drama, which is so much about what I help people with and the other Mm -hmm. is living up to the expectations of other people that's a child thing we live up to the expectations of our parents but after that we should grow to the place where we are no longer living up to the expectations of others we're living up to the expectations of ourselves and that should be a mature process where we have come to know ourselves and to know what it is we want our life to look like and feel like. And we have an idea of how to go about that. I agree. And I, as, I'm, as I'm writing my notes about you, I feel like I'm having this one-on-one therapy session with you. Um, but I'm hoping <laughs> that everyone listening feels the same way. Um, I, like the, I like the terminology. I, 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 I draw pictures in my mind when I hear certain things. And when you talk about the weather report, whether it's your personal weather report or the respond to the weather report, I like that. And I think that's an easy way of of identifying what you're talking about. But what happens when assertiveness is not present, particularly like in, in a couple's relationship? How how, talk a little bit about that. <laughs> sure. What's going to happen when you're not assertive? <laughs> yeah. What's going to happen is if you're not assertive, you're going to be resentful because mm-hmm. you're not speaking up on your own behalf. You are not comfortable saying what you think, feel, need, and want. The other person, as you so wisely pointed out, Marcia, is not a mind reader. If you don't tell them, they're not going to know. They have to guess. Why should they have to do that? So they become annoyed, become resentful because you're not getting your needs met because they can't meet, read your mind. I mean, it is a crazy-making situation. So when you become emotionally mature and know that you deserve to take up space and draw breath on this planet, then you can say, I deserve to be assertive. All I'm doing is saying who I am. Here's what I think, feel, need, and want. I have the right to say that because I'm not talking about anybody else, and I happen to be the expert on me. So I'm the only (laughs) person who can say that. Um, So, yes, of course, this is extremely important. And it's really not fair in a relationship to have anything less than that because then someone is trying to guess what would please you or what's upsetting you or they're walking on eggshells around you or you're walking on eggshells around them because they won't express what's so for them. All that does is build resentment and it causes you to shrink and contract and you lose the ability to create emotional intimacy if you're in a couple's relationship or a friend relationship. And that's what you're longing for. That's what humans want to do. They want to connect. 
I don't believe there's anything in this world but relationships. The relationship with mm-hmm. yourself, the relationship with everything around you. We are all mm-hmm. vibrating energy. We are in relationship with all of it. And if I can do something to enhance my relationship with any part of it, why wouldn't I do it? Am I really going True. to be that fearful or small that I'm going to sit back in a corner and go, oh, well, you're not giving me what I want. Well, did you ask for what you want? Well, no. You know, how many times have I heard this phrase? If you really loved me, you'd know what I want. Right. No. I can't know what you want unless you tell me. It's so true. I was married for um, 38 years. And, um, yeah, I know. And my husband died um, dramatically, unexpectedly um, um, at the Staples Center before a basketball game. It'll be 10 years this coming March. But we were to, I know it was very, very unexpected, but we had a, oh, we had a, it's interesting, Roberta, because I understood him so well and he was an engineer. Okay. So right away, I don't know if that means anything to you, but to those of us that were married to engineers, and maybe it's the same with women, maybe women engineers are similar, but my husband really, truly believed that it is what it is. And, and because I knew that about him, and while there were times when I found that slightly frustrating, one of the things I learned early in my marriage, being married to this man that was so stable and such the rock, I was the mouthpiece, is that he could not possibly be everything that I would ever need in life. That's an unreasonable expectation. And once I came to expect the fact, he was not going to say, honey, that's really a pretty sweater. That looks so nice on you. He would also not be the one that would say, you're not going to wear that, are you? Because he didn't cast that kind of judgment. So if I felt like, oh, is it, what do you think? Is this sweater cute or not? My girlfriends would tell me that. And I could say to a girlfriend, do you like this? Do you think this is cute? And then they could tell me. And then my needs were met that way because I understood because of our relationship, that's how it worked. And that's how it worked for us. And therefore, there was not a lot of unspokenness because there was a tremendous amount of understanding. And um, I don't know if that's for most people's marriages, but certainly in ours, uh, once I came to recognize that fairly early into the marriage, that he could not be my everything. And I tell women, um, you know, if you expect your spouse to be your everything and he or she suddenly dies, then what are you, nothing? You have nothing? There's nothing about you? You don't know who you are? So I, you know, I, I think I'm off on a tangent there, but I think that relationships, like you, like you were saying, are so important because you just want to be in healthy ones. Who wants to be in an unhealthy relationship? I know I don't. And um, when, it, when it comes to workplace, that's a little bit different than your spouse and your family. How, how do you, how do you um, a, a put um, certain in the, in the workplace relationship? Well, the first thing that you have to do in any workplace culture is to observe. You have to understand how the place works, and you have to know who the players are. And many times people don't do that, and they wish it were different, or they speak up, or they want to tell people how it'll be. But you really do have to observe. Um, I wrote a book about the workplace called Wrestling Rhinos, Conquering Conflict in the Wilds of Work. And I love it. Was so in- that. <laughs> Thanks. It's so important for us to recognize that at work, we're there for the fulfillment of a mission, company mission, and that we signed up to behave by the values and the codes of ethics and conduct of the company. So we want to always be very, very careful what we're getting into. And then we want to look at the individuals involved. And here's something that no matter what relationship you're in, I used to have this 
on the wall of my office for 12 years. I had 1,200 square feet of offices. And in my consulting room, in big gold letters, I had this because I think it's the most important thing I can teach anybody. And what it said was, the truth is what you do. So when you're concerned about what somebody is saying, look underneath it and observe their behavior because their behavior is telling you the truth no matter what they're saying. When the two align and match, woohoo, you know, great. But if there's a mismatch, believe the behavior. So if you're in the workplace and somebody's spouting that we should all play nicely together and just get along, and on their behavior, they're being discounting of somebody or demeaning of somebody or they're taking the credit when it belongs to someone else, their behaviors don't match their words, then you have to be aware of that before you open your mouth. (laughs) And a weather report becomes very handy. At those moments, you can say something like, well, you know, I've been working really hard to just make sure that I get my work done when I say I will do it and I hand it in on time. Sometimes it's not so easy, but I really make an effort. That can be so better heard than saying, you know, you're just wasting our time. You never get anything done on time. (laughs) Yes. How we express what we say in the workplace has to come from understanding and observing what's actually going on, not what we wish was going on, and not our judgments of what's right or wrong or who did what to whom. But if I want to make a change in the workplace or I want to accelerate my my progress in the workplace, I have to be smart. I have to be observing. And then I have to watch and see where are the places that I can have any influence and change And where are the places that I'm whistling in the wind because you don't want to be bothering doing that? Right. Is that what you would consider that passive-aggressive behavior? No, passive-aggressive behavior is a little different than that. Passive-aggressive behavior comes when people are afraid of conflict. And so Mm -hmm. they come from a home usually where conflict is a four-letter word. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so they, they have... They would rather agree with their parent, and therefore they will continue to agree with their their spouse or their boss. If someone says, "Well, will you do this? Can you can you do this by four o'clock on Saturday?" They know full well that they have no intention of doing it, and they're not going to do it. But they don't want the conflict in the moment, so they say, "Yeah, sure." Hmm. They want to postpone having the conflict. So when 4 o'clock on Saturday comes along and you say to a passive-aggressive person, well, could I have that, please? They say, well, you've got a nerve, haven't you? Do you think I don't have anything better to do? Wow. And so they're they're passive in the beginning and then aggressive in the the results. Well, that's crazy-making, isn't it? It's totally crazy-making and funny. You should use Mm -hmm. that word, Marcia, because the name of that book is Stop. That's crazy making. How to quit playing the passive aggressive game. <laughs> because wow. it absolutely is crazy making. I love I love the title of your books. I like like the one we just we were just talking about because we're gonna move over to yet another book, but just the visual wrestling rhinos, conquering conflict in the wilds of work. That is just brilliant. I'm sorry. That is just, I'm not sorry. I don't know why I said I'm sorry. That is just brilliant. I love that. And I believe you, you, and we'll talk a little bit, we'll we'll make sure, let's just say it now in case somebody is listening. You can do video conferencing with your clients. Is that correct around the world? That's what I do. That's the only thing I do. (laughs) So how would somebody get in touch with you if they wanted to do something like that? Well, you go to my website, for relationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, slash join. And that will give you the opportunity, if you're ready to work with me, that gives you the opportunity as a new client to have a one-hour full session with me for only $97. That way Wonderful. you get some very good insights and you can find out if we're a good fit. And after that, then I work in packages. So 
that's one way if people want to work with me directly because then we do that over Zoom video conferencing all over the world. And Wonderful. the other ways, of course, for people to, to get to know me are to listen to my podcast or go to my YouTube channel. Yes, that's that's beautiful. It's it's the beauty of social media. I'd like to switch, just a slight switch, but not really a slight switch. And I'd like to talk about the the book that you just mentioned, which was Soul Solitude and Inclusive Compassion. I love, by the way, that's a beautiful image of the of the lighthouse. That 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 book cover is is really lovely. Uh, that spoke to me. Um, so it's called. It's about including. Why inclusive compassion is essential to healthy relationships and effective living. So let's talk, let's do some glossary terms now. So let's talk about what, first of all, what is inclusive compassion and how does that differentiate between compassion, compassion? Can teach me about that? (laughs) Well, you know, I think that that we have one, well, I think we have two, actually, absolutely crazy-making and insane sayings in the English language and bad combination of words. Um, and inclusive compassion is the antidote to one of those sets of words, and that set of words is give until it hurts. Oh. What a crazy, <laughs> crazy idea that is, if you stop and think about it. That would mean that if everybody did that, everybody would be hurting. So what the idea of inclusive compassion is, what I try to explain by using those words in that way, is Mm -hmm. that you need to have a good balance of compassion for yourself and compassion for others. That it is not all outward going compassion. Because there is no balance in that. All you will do is is wear yourself out and get into resentment. You must have a balance between including yourself in the compassion. You know, maybe you would love to be able to go and visit that sick friend, but you are so exhausted with yourself that if you went, it would be far less than, than helpful. And so you say, mm-hmm. I will look after myself today and I will go there tomorrow. That's inclusive mm-hmm. compassion rather than saying, oh, I can do it, I can do it. And then you're almost in resentment because you had to go mm-hmm. and do it. You forced yourself to do it. So it's a balancing technique, Marcia. I, I, that makes sense. And I, there's been times when I have feel, felt even myself like, Marcia, take off the boxing gloves and stop banging yourself in the head. You know, really, how is that going to be helpful to you? You know, metaphorically, I mean, how does it feel better now that you've slugged yourself a couple of times? And I think that your message about, you know, there was a time when it was like, gee, if you really thought a lot about yourself. Back back in the day when I was a youngster, it was like, well, it's kind of conceited if all you're doing is thinking about yourself. Well, that isn't what you're saying. I believe I believe how I'm understanding what you're saying is that, kind of like that thing that my mother used to say to me, you can't expect others to love you unless you love yourself. That was one of the right. things that bubbled up while I was with my son this this past um, four days. And I remember my mom saying that to me when I was a teenager and I wanted to have a boyfriend, right? And that was her message. You know, you can't expect anybody to love you if, if you don't love yourself and respect yourself and think – not that you think so highly of yourself that you've put yourself on a level that's above others, but you do need to accept and, and appreciate and love yourself so that others can see the beauty in you as well. I believe that's what you're, what you're referring to when you talk about that. Is that right? I am, and I think it's very important to keep equity in any relationship. Mm-hmm. Certainly there's going to be give and take, you know, um, my partner might get ill and I may have make a choice to take care of him, right? And mm-hmm. it's not at my convenience. <laughs> it's not something I wanted. But I love him and I will do whatever it takes to help him feel better. However, if he is a person, which he isn't, if he were a person, 
was hmm. always complaining and always having a problem and always drawing attention to himself and had narcissists like many hijackals. And I kept feeding that I would not have balance. I would not have inclusive compassion for myself. You know, this is why I coined the term hijackals, Marcia. We need mm-hmm. to understand that there's been a big shift from back in the day when we were taught that if you spoke well of yourself, you were being arrogant or conceited or how dare you mm-hmm. or you were bragging. We need to mm-hmm. be able to understand that you can say what's so. You know, I think I do that well is not heresy. It is simply saying, I acknowledge that in my personal opinion, I do that quite well. But if I had said that around my mother back in the day, she would have said, well, you think awfully good of yourself, don't you? Well, we're not in that time anymore. But the pendulum has swung. And what we're seeing and why I created the term hijackles is because I was seeing far too many people going to Google or anywhere and, and putting in some behavior. And Google, which is an index, not a psychological professional, would sit back, oh, that's narcissism or that's psychopathy or whatever. And then the people would say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I, that's narcissistic behavior. Well, what we know about the research there, and that's why I spend most of my life helping people who have partners or parents in that situation, um, we are now seeing a greater number of people behaving from ways, traits, patterns, and cycles that are narcissistic than ever before in our history. And Hmm. the pendulum has swung. So now people feel entitled. People, People say, well, why wouldn't I? I come first, you know, and I'm not saying everybody, but we have a psychological shift that's occurred and it's gone too far. And now we have a lot of people, too many, about 10 to 12% of the population said of diagnosed people. So who knows how many non-diagnosed people who have mm-hmm. these patterns, traits, and cycles, and we need to know how to handle them. So I wanted a non-clinical term to talk about these patterns, traits, and cycles. So my term hijackles, these are the people who hijack relationships for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenge them for power, status, and control. And we're seeing more and more of these people. So we don't want to be those people. Those people seldom change. So we may find ourselves with one of those. And if we're an emotionally mature, balanced human being, we've got our best shot at being able to see that and walk away from it. Have strong wow. boundaries and say, oh, no, it doesn't happen on my shift. You know? Mm. Mm. So if this thing, inclusive compassion, how do you think my life would be different than it would be today if you were to speak to me or anybody else um, that, 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 that would be practicing what you've just talked about? I would be believing the behaviors of others, first and foremost, not what they say. And if their behavior is, you are here to do my bidding, or you are here to keep me happy, or you are here to allow me to control you, I would say, mm, no balance in that. Inclusive compassion says, I can be compassionate to you from a good, safe geographical distance. <laughs> yeah, interesting. That, that, that's, why do you think that people are worried about being assertive and, 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 and they're, they're concerned that this is this, that, why do you think that you, as you would say, that this is an inalienable, and I can't say that word, I can read it, right <laughs> to be assertive? Talk, talk about that a little bit. Well, if you were raised to be seen and not heard, or you were raised mm-hmm. by somebody who had a lot of power control, then you were supposed to do their bidding, and you were not supposed to have a voice. And if that was the way you were raised and you haven't spent some time in self-reflection and maybe been through some personal development, you may still be behaving from that belief. And if you are, Mm -hmm. you're likely to get tread upon. 
And so Mm -hmm. it's very important to be listening to the kinds of things you and I are discussing today and be able to ask yourself, like, whoa, am I working from an old paradigm where I really have a deep belief that what I think, feel, need, and want is not important? And if your answer to that question is yes, you know, I'd love to work with you because you matter. You are you mm-hmm. really matter. You draw breath and take up space and you matter. And you know, it's not a fault, it's just some a bit of self discovery. If you were hearing these words and you're saying, you know, really deep down I don't feel like I deserve that. Or really deep down I can't imagine what it would be like to feel like I could just speak up. And if you can get in touch with that, then know that there's a huge amount of wonderful growth in your future. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, if if you've got that message and you are that parent of that 7-year-old or that 17-year-old, and that's what's playing, that that tape is still playing in your head, then you're likely to pass it on to your children because they're going to witness and experiencing, experience you that way. And if that's how, that's what you heard growing up, then if you want to break that cycle, that's when they turn to somebody like you, the relationship help that can really, without judgment, help go through, you've written so many books that to help people go through the process of of recognizing their own value right absolutely and really believing that you matter like mm-hmm. we can say that so glibly you know marcia you say you matter and say oh i know but if you sit with it in the quietness of your own living room with a purposeful, conscious cup of tea, and you say, do I really believe I matter? You may find that the answer comes back, something that your mother or father said to you, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Or what makes you think that you matter? And those are old tapes. Those are old scripts. That's the child having to please a parent, living up to the expectation of the parent because the basic paradigm is, If you do what the giants want you to do, they'll continue to feed and protect you so you can grow up. But once you grow up, then it's time to reflect. You know, for the last 30 years, I've been doing this work now for 34 years. For the last 30 years, I've been saying, please, just 20 and let me work with them until they're 21. And we'll go back and we'll look at all the scripts you've been given, all the beliefs you've been given, all the words that have been said about you, and now you get to choose which ones you want to live with and by. And you can let the others go back to where they came from, just leave them behind, and you can move forward. But we're so busy when we're 20 and 21, getting an education and being in relationships and having new experiences. And our brain doesn't finish growing till we're 25. So we're still Mm -hmm. not fully cooked. (laughs) We're not (laughs) so reflective at that age, right? And so it's never too late to become self-reflective. I highly recommend it. And I hope everyone listening to this says, I deserve to have that. You know, I have a program, a very, very inexpensive program, Marcia. And you'll find it at fourrelationshiphelp.com slash E-S-C. And E-S-C stands for Emotional Savvy Circle. And I have a program in there for only $5 a month. You can get my 21 steps to empowered emotional savvy delivered to your email over 46 days. And it gives you step-by-step things to really in-depth think about and journal and reflect on so that all of the stuff that we're talking about, you can handle. So that's at fourrelationshiphelp.com slash E, S is in Sam, C is in Charlie. And $5 a month. And if you want to upgrade to the $15 a month level, once a month we have a group Ask Me Anything call. And I stay on the line for people to ask me whatever they want to. Wow. And these are That's important so cool. things. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, thanks. But 
for me, That's this cool. is really important that we have those opportunities. When I put up my hand and say, hey, I want to have the most fulfilling life and be the most evolved I can be, that there's a way to do it without breaking the bank. So start there. It, it's, it's, I, I love this subject. I just I have to be honest with you. I I am I very much I think relationships are so so important, and we're not all the same. So what my son might need is I can tell you for a fact it's not at all what my daughter would need because my right. son's personality is more like mine, and my daughter's personality is more like what my husband's were. So I'm and able that'll to be that, that way in every case. Yeah, but what made me, what what I was thinking about while you were speaking, and I think that this $5 a month thing is just incredible. And you know what, I'll make sure when we when our show is over and I put this into the archive, I'll make sure that I include that link there so people, if they didn't write it down, they're listening in their car or whatever, I'll make sure that people can find it. But what occurred to me that seems like, I don't know, with, with what's going on in education today, it seems like there would be such a great place. Maybe it starts in middle school. Maybe it doesn't start in, in elementary school. But certainly when you become a middle-aged, when a, a preteen teenager, it seems like there should be a life, a life skills class, you know. There's not a, enough of that kind of, um, of schooling in our, our, our schools today where somebody could help teach some of those things so where you're hearing these messages much sooner than when you're the 21 year old you know how nice would it be to just hear some of these messages when you're a little bit younger and can take take some of this in i think would be so great but how many of us court our children that kind of respect to say to a child well what do you think about that and actually listen rather than be defensive and tell them why they're wrong. To actually right. say, wow, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Where did, you, where did you start thinking about that? Treat it like a personal weather report and be interested in them. This is how we validate children. And mm-hmm. when you're with a hijackal, you will never be validated because hijackals weren't. And so validating a child you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday and I said, you know, I, I, I knew them well because they had been working with me a long time. And I said, you know, to the, about the husband, you know, I know very well that his mother, if he had an owie and he took it to his mother, his mother would say, if you're going to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. Right. And Suck it up, his, his wife just just laughed and she said that's exactly what he said that his mother said that's Mm. that's a lack of validation a validating parent says oh you got an owie that's awful what what do you what happened to you oh that's too bad i'm sorry you feel badly let me help can i help in some way and you validate the child now, I'm not talking about validating the drama that goes on and on because a child is, you know, wanting more and more attention. Those are other things that we have to know how to fix. And I was in education for 28 years, Marcia. I was principal mm. of schools. I know I was tough yes. because I raised my kids alone and I had to have a job that had the same holidays that they had. So I was in education <laughs> for a long time. Perfect. But, you know, when we learn to talk to our children as though they're interesting human beings at a different stage of brain development than we are, and we honor that, we don't expect them to be little adults. They're not. Our brains grow. Right. We're 25 years old. So, you know, first of all, we're little sensory sponges, and then we get a little development of the parietal lobes, and then we get the prefrontal lobes, and, you know, on and on it goes. And so we have to have an interest in children. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have to make them wrong. We have to be interested in them and validate their feelings and their dreams. That's so important. I think that everything that you've talked we're, we're going to have to do a second show. Maybe six months from now we'll, we'll meet together um, in the summertime and, 
and talk some more about some of the other books that that you've written and and how else you can assist people. But clearly, since this tends to be the gift-giving time of the year, between calling it, what, um, Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all these different words that we use for, for purchasing things, sometimes maybe we need to start by making ourselves the first gift and appreciating and respecting ourselves and what we feel and what we think and what we need and what we want. Uh, that is such a takeaway from me. I feel like personally that was your gift to me personally today and that weather report and the and the conversation, I, I knew that it would, well, I, I, I expected it to be like this because I know how qualified you are to speak on the subject, but you've made it so um, able to, I, I'm, it's so easy to understand and, and you've drawn really clear and, and, and precise pictures for, for the listeners. And I'm so grateful for your time, Roberta, really. It's, it's just delightful that you've been able to spend that time with me. And I, I feel very privileged to do this every week. You're, you're way ahead of me in the game. I've been doing this now for three and a half years every week. So I have some experience in doing this. And everybody does bring their own story to my show each week. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And I think about that when I get up in the morning on how, how great my life really is. And I, I appreciate it. And my guess is, do you, do you meditate personally? I suspect that you might. Do you? Oh, yes. I started doing yoga yeah. and meditation when I was 19 years old. Yeah. As long I, I would have before anybody that. in North America thought it was even a good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yes. Oh, we- Yes. I I'm yeah. I I I was certain that that was going to be your response and I'm really getting into what it means for me personally to start taking deep breaths and getting that into your lower abdomen and lowering your shoulders and releasing the tension and I'm I'm beginning to learn just how we are all affected by that and the energy that comes from understanding your own personal um energy so um this is just i knew this hour would fly by and i i want to thank you for your time i want to let all of our listeners know that um podcasters never have too many um listeners it's not like i have a limit to who can listen now that my website is up and functioning again which is very simple it's born to talk com, and that's my website and I have that as my Facebook page. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm all over the place. And and for those of you that like to read, the podcasts have become so popular now that if you are somebody that's never really done podcasting, listened to podcasting before, and you have an iPhone, it's already embedded on your phone. You just simply click on that icon. You type in Born to Talk Radio Show. You're going to see my sweet little face there. And you just hit subscribe, and my shows will all load there. And if you are on the Android side of life, you can just go to Google Play and type in podcast and do the same exact thing. You don't have to remember a PIN. You don't have to remember any your username. It will just load up for you. And maybe you're taking your dog for a walk or you're on the treadmill or whatever. You're driving in your car. These shows will always be available for you because they're all recorded. And uh, I, as somebody that's been doing this, you know the, the value of, of podcasting and how we're really reaching a lot of people in this medium. So uh, I just, I'm grateful for you joining me today, Roberta. This has just been a very enlightening show for me personally, and I hope that um, our listeners feel the same way. And they, and I will make sure that you can. Why don't you tell them one more time? how they can find you um, on your website just so that they, they've got it in front of them. Thank you, Marcia. It's been a real pleasure to have this wonderful conversation with you. And people can find me at 4, F-O-R, Relationship Help, H-E-L-P.com. And my YouTube channel has the same name. So go to youtube.com yep. slash 4, Relationship Help. Terrific. Well, Happy holidays, my new friend, and I hope that, that your your holidays are wonderful and you and I happen to be living where the weather is quite beautiful. I hope 
I believe I've just come back in town. I, I'm hoping that the fires are finally out and, and um, are, are part of, of California. And for those of you that have experienced some bad winter weather, let's just hope that the fireplace keeps you warm and toasty. And I'm going to take next Monday off. I don't normally do that. But I will be back the following Monday with a very, very exciting guest on December the 10th with Brady Connell, and he is the, he is star, he has a show that will be premiering on ABC tonight um, about um, lighting the light on on ABC, and he will be joining me um, on my show on December the 10th. But I'm going to go to Florida, so. Thank you, everyone, for staying with me, and I look forward to having you join me again very soon. And thank you, Roberta, once again for being my guest today. Thank you, Marcia.